Hello to everybody out there on Radio Slash Podcast Land. You're listening to episode number 19 of the Rub Wrestling Podcast. In Canada, when you're 19 years old, you're actually allowed to drink. You can go clubbing. You can do whatever you want out now. You're an adult. And that's the way we feel for this adult podcast. We're no longer teenagers. Well, we're kind of in our last year. But next episode, when we record next week, we'll be full-blown 20-year-old adults. Because we'll be on episode number 20. Let's be Let's be frank. You know, when we started this off, we, we would have been happy doing a couple episodes. When now we're at 20 episodes. This is a big milestone for us, or, well, when we do it next week. But, anyways, we'll get to that soon. We'll talk a little bit more about the future in a second. But with that, you can find us anywhere you can get a podcast, guys. You know, you can hit us up on Spotify. You can hit us up on Apple, Google. You can hit us up on YouTube. Anywhere that you can find a podcast, come get us. Follow, subscribe, come like us, because we bring it to you hard. Other than that... If you have questions for us, you want to talk some rumors or anything that you want to bring up on the pod, we do have an email for the pod. It's the Rub Wrestling. Oh, sorry, the Rub Wrestling at Outlook.com. Hit us up there and uh, send us your comments, questions, or stuff you like to do because we all like to hear feedback and that's what it's all about, right? So, with that being said, Chris, K Fabe is now going to be in the Webster's Dictionary for 2024 as a legit term. First time ever it's happened. What are your thoughts? Does this make pro wrestling now mainstream society? If uh, if if kayfabe is in the dictionary, I would say that we have made it. Uh, I think so. Uh, like that's it's a term. It's a term we've used, and I think they're actually turning into an actual English term now, which is good because. If you have to think about it, it came up from pro wrestling, right? Pro wrestling kayfabe. Is not a real word. So, yeah, no, I'm, I'm actually, I'm actually. Uh, it is now, motherfucker. <laughs> well, well, but it's, it's, it's never been in the dictionary before. Like this is a big deal. It is. I also think what the one thing that's going to actually happen with this TikTok and uh, you know millennial society or Gen, what is it, Gen Z society we have now? Uh, I'm just waiting for the kid in high school to tell a teacher and go, "Bruh, that's okay, Fabe, bruh." <laughs> And just waiting for something like that happen so that we hear that and then kayfabe's like gonna be like a popular word, like to the point where it's just gonna get memed out to to everything. Now, Josh, we're in October. Talked about Thanksgiving dinner, I think, with you last week. Now, you you're a resident, you know, it's all the work. The truth is out there. Fox Mulder of this podcast we've referred to you as before. I got a very simple question for you, my friend. Do you think that UFOs are real and this data that basically the FBI are giving us is like true shit that we're actually seeing? Like, do aliens exist? That's what I want to know from you. That's the topic of the day. Oh, I don't think those are UFOs. I was watching. I mean, I think they're unidentified flying, whatever it is, the uh, the UAPs, whatever UAVs. Um, they're probably just some stupid anomaly. I, aliens may exist, but uh, we haven't found them yet. Did you but, see what Ring said? Ring, Ring has like a million dollar bounty to anybody who catches an alien on a Ring camera. Wow. Oh. <laughs> That's I, crazy. Yeah, and that was, I think, a comment by Neil deGrasse Tyson was saying... He, he said that, like, with all the technology that we have, with all of the recording that we have constantly, and then for the video footage for them to have on a Navy fleet that is, like, you know, so tiny and black, it's just like, you know, it's not, it could be something, but it's not an alien, that's for sure. 
Well, with that being said, I got two things to finish up this topic. One, the truth is out there. That's for sure. Number two, when you thought you were going to switch it up from unidentified flying objects, the only word I can think of with O was orgasm. So let's get on to the Mount Vesuvius of this podcast. And, uh, you know, because we had so much fun last week, boys, and we talked about it um, in regards to our podcast. Let's get off and we're going to hit up some WWE stuff and some kind of some interesting things that are coming. The first one we're going to talk about is more of a storyline that came up and kind of a little bit of um, uh, a weird dichotomy, I guess, between Dom and Rio, where um, at NXT No Mercy, Trick Williams actually beat Dominic Mysterio for the North American Championship. And basically, Rhea gave Dom an ultimatum in the rematch was you better win it or don't come home. So Dom took it pretty seriously, and with multiple interference again, Dom ended up reclaiming the North American NXT title and can go home to mommy, so good for Dom. Now, my big question is, is Dom is obviously getting a lot of heat. We've said that on the past on a lot of episodes. Is this starting to get a little bit stale? Does he have to move and figure something out or maybe get an actual title on Raw or SmackDown to be a little more credible? Because his in-ring work is getting better. I like the fact that they brought him back to NXT to kind of work with some uh, some other talents, some some more, I don't want to call them enhancement talents, but talents that are probably on the same level that he is. Um, where do you really see him going, let's say, Chris, in the next five years? Is it right to the top? Or is it going to be, you know, kind of still in that mid-card, that upper mid-card range? It's hard to say because I know we've been we've been so big on Dom. Uh, I think he's probably got about as far as he's gonna get. Um, I just I think a lot of the a lot of the noise that he gets now is piped in. So like he he was a huge heel. Um, yeah, he is getting better in the ring. I think both both Josh and I have agreed to that. Where like we've kind of come around on him a little bit. We thought he got better. Um. I, I do think this is kind of I, I think this is is as high as he goes. He's not gonna he's not gonna do what Ray did. Definitely not. Um, I don't know. I think uh, if you ask me, like my honest opinion, I think in five years he'll be out of the company. Yeah, it's, you know what? And that's uh, that's what some other people have said before when I've asked them this question in regards to it. Now, my thoughts are is that one of the things that I've actually really enjoyed with Dom and Josh, we've talked about it before, was mostly his physicality and his physique that he has. He's a little bit taller than Ray. He doesn't have that muscular build that the WWE uh, wants. And actually, for one of our other WWE topics, we're going to talk about physicality and builds um, and uh, somebody that doesn't really meet the standards um, that, that are usually set for a, a world heavyweight champion that the WWE is looking for or a universal champion. But Dom's storytelling has gotten so much better with the Judgment Day. When, like, it's hard to say what happens because stables or families like the Don Callis family, even though we're, we're still in WWE at this point, um, kind of they kind of run their course like it's not going to be something like the Four Horsemen where it's around for 20 years and, and people are going to switch in and out now. If he was an AEW, where would he fit right now? If you were looking at something like that, like if he was in AEW, do you think he's higher up on the card? Do you think that he'd still get the same heat? Or is it really the production value and him being in the Judgment Day and that storyline that really drew the heat to him? Is it him drawing the heat or is it the storyline drawing the heat? 
Oh no, I don't think he fits in AEW at all. I think that his that AEW is uh, for premium premium wrestling typically, and I think Dominic's not that type of wrestler. I think that he owes a lot of it to his name and to his dad, and his dad's you know brought him in. I do agree that he has improved, um, but like, I mean, how many better wrestlers are there that aren't getting the same opportunities because they're not Dominic Mysterio? I think that he's getting a great reaction. I agree with Chris, though, that, uh, you know, he, I can see him winning a tag title here or there, maybe an intercontinental title, if they go back to kind of how they used to do it. But now it's more of a serious title. I, I just think that, like, his in-ring ability would need to improve, like, tenfold for, for me to think that he's got longevity in the WWE. He's definitely no Eddie Guerrero. I mean, he's taller, but, like... He's not, I don't know, he's just not athletic. That's kind of how, like, I would describe Dominic Mysterio. He just does not seem like an athletic person. And so I just think that he just, like, I find him he's clunky in the ring. And he hasn't really proved himself on the mic because he's not even allowed to talk right now. So, like, is the heat that he's getting because of, like, you know, his antics on the side of the ring, it's, I just don't know. I think that he hasn't proved himself as a promo guy either. And he's kind of like, you know, the guy that can take the pin for your group or, you know, he's going to, you know, have those matches where he is, he's going to put the other person over. And he, and when he goes over, it's never because of his in-ring ability. It's, so it's kind of like he's even portrayed as a joke, right? That's how I, that's how I see it is that he doesn't win himself. Chris, go ahead. So like what you're, what you're saying is that he's Virgil. Uh, maybe I I don't know Virgil because I, I I skip I stopped watching, uh, but uh, let me take a look here. He's million dollar man's. Uh, what is it? Uh, yeah, let's let Josh. Oh, yeah, let's see. just I, let's I, let okay, Josh. Yeah, no, I know up. exactly. I know exactly what you're talking about. Okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. kind of kills my next question because one of the things I was actually thinking of is that you know what? When you look at a lot of people that started the company, and you look at somebody like John Cena or you know The Rock or some of these people that ended up being WWE champions, they were basically written off as well. And I think right now the one thing that Dom's doing as a youngster it doesn't mean like it's like kind of like whenever you play any of the NHL or sports video games, there's always that that column when you're building a player that's always about potential, right? And so those were guys that also had very high potential fell down and then kind of worked their way back up to what it was. And it's kind of like somebody like Austin theory now, but Dom is drawing. And I think that's the thing that's really crazy to me is that you're looking at this whole scenario and he's drawing and it's like, so if he's drawing now, you obviously have to have a storyline and obviously we can't predict what's going to happen five years from now. But at the same point, like I I would assume that he would still be there in some capacity. Like, I don't think he's going to fall off the map. Maybe, maybe he could in five years. I'm not saying that couldn't happen, but I'm saying like, he's still going to be there in the next year to two years. And, and, you know, and and even if he doesn't wrestle, he probably would keep on wrestling. Like I would assume, um, even if he was on a WWE, where do you think he would go? If he doesn't go to AEW, do you think he goes to Mexico and learns different trades? Like a lot of people are starting to do that. Right. And really kind of forging their trades in other places to be better. Chris, what, what do you think that, like, at the end of this, like, even if you want to talk the storyline or what we just talked about, what is going to be the payoff for Dom to really be successful? Uh, I think what you're saying is is kind of bang on. I think he goes to Mexico. 
Like that's just where I see it going. I I, I don't see in five years that Dom's gonna be like. Um, we know that Judgment Day is not gonna last forever, right? Like the original leader is in AEW right now, so um, I don't know. It just I I think with uh, like it's been proven that a lot of a lot of the heat's pumped in, so. I don't know. I think I think he'll hang on, uh, and we've seen it before, right? It's not. It's not like something we haven't seen before with somebody hanging on. But I think he's gonna hang on to the name. I just I I don't see him being a big player in five years. I see him as soon as, like as soon as Judgment Day breaks up. I I see him. He's it's like a Ken Norton NWO deal, right? Like there's. He he's great within that faction, but he's done once the faction's over. I mean, so Scott Scott Norton. What, or Scott Norton, yeah, that's what I'm gonna say. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's a, so, that's a great point as well. So, like, I, I, I think he's kind of, he's kind of, he's kind of that character within the Judgment Day, the the same Scott Norton character. Like, he's always there, right? But yeah. like, once you know, once Tick comes for Tack, he's 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 not gonna be the one they're gonna stand up for. Yeah, I think when we kind of look at this for this point, the results are pretty much inconclusive, right? And I think well, that's what we're looking at. And Josh, I know that you were dying for me to say the results are unexpected, but I definitely did not there. But <laughs> No, I, I was going to say, I I actually disagree with Dom going to Mexico. I think that he should go to a different style and like work on like maybe Japan, like maybe get some strong style in him instead, because I think that would fit his body type better. Like, I just think that he's not a high flyer because he's not that type of athletic. Like he's not athletic like that. Like I even kind of look at him like kind of like a Dustin Rhodes. Like he's got that body type where he's not uh, like, I just don't find his moveset believable for his, the way he moves. And so I think that he just needs to go into like a more, like maybe like even a more technical side or like a more physical, like strong styles. That's yeah. crazy. Like Japan's Japan would be a really great place for him, actually, like to to hone his craft and stuff. That's that's really good. Well, And I think you'd find out how tough he actually was like they're going to beat the living shit out of him, you know, and that's really what it's about. And I mean, that's what people find out, like trying to explain Japanese strong style to people and like kind of like, hey, like they hit hard. But they know how to protect necks. It's like why Kenny and, you know, Osprey can do a Tiger Driver 91. It's like they, they know how to protect necks. They work on their necks. They build it because if you don't, you're you're fucking dead. Like, it's that simple. Like, you're, or you're paralyzed. And so when you're working through a lot of it, they kind of, it's, it's. I always say wrestling always has to people, like, everybody's like, oh, you know what? They're not really hitting each other. Yeah, I get it. It's not fake. Like you look at a lot of things, people get injured, stuff happens. But the thing that always allures people like us and, and kind of makes marks out of us is that kind of like that magician sleight of hand. And I say wrestling has that. And I think that's really what it is when you're kind of going through. And I think Japanese wrestling is the best place to learn that sleight of hand. And that's what I've always said. So when you're looking through that, yeah, there was, it's inconclusive on what's going to happen. Hopefully he has a little bit longer of a run. And uh, you know what? Hopefully we can try and even put him in a tag team, get him into some gold, do something. And if not, then time will tell. We'll see where he ends up. So now we're going to kind of get. That's great. That's great. What you said, sorry to cut you off, but like, okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it, it's a two way dance. Like wrestling's a two way dance. Yeah. Like you have to protect somebody like, we want to see Darby Allen wrestle more matches. We want to see these people wrestle more more matches. So 
yeah exactly what you're saying is right it's like it's a two-way dance and and yeah I, I just don't think that he's he's learned the way he can and i think if he goes to japan he'll learn he'll learn way better absolutely now Away from the storylines in WWE, we're kind of going back to some of the releases um, that kind of happened a couple weeks ago. Now, there's a massive list. There was like Dolph Ziggler, a whole bunch of people. Now, the person that I actually really want to talk about here is Matt Riddle. So we we talk about Riddle. He, he starts off his like before wrestling his career in the UFC. He fights what, Chris, maybe five fights. And then he gets kicked out for what? It was marijuana, I believe. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. Dana White calls him a fucking idiot in, in an interview and all this stuff. So he says, okay, I'm going to go to, to wrestling. And then so he starts wrestling, goes on the indies, and just in two years tears the whole fucking show up. Gets to the big dance, starts off, has this character that's kind of like this weird, you know, surfer character, like this bro character that people end up loving, uh, except for the fact that he absolutely hates people in the airports. You know, he's had issues with... Um, you know, like, uh, where he was uh, accused of, uh, I believe it was, um, physical assault on, I want to say his wife or something, his girlfriend at the time, fiance. Now, like we've been talking about he who shall not be named, um, numerous on what a cancer he was. Is Matt Riddle really a cancer or is he just somebody that doesn't like authority and just wants to do things his own way all the time? What are your thoughts, Josh, on that, if you were looking at it? Like, would he fit in another locker room tomorrow if you were to bring him in? And as a company, with your PR and everything, would you bring him in tomorrow as a drop? Because he's actually out there, and I'd probably, when you look at the list, he'd probably be the, one of the top free agents out there. Yeah, I don't know. I think that, I mean, there's a good chance he has a substance use disorder, and that's part of, you know, his uh, issues going on. Um, it was a sexual assault allegation, apparently. Thank you. He was, uh, um, but I think that, uh, you know, part of being a wrestler, living that lifestyle is really difficult and a, a lot of people don't adjust well to it and they get, you know, into, you know, drinking consistently or, you know, painkillers or there's still a lot of substance abuse in, uh, the wrestling and WWE, I, to give them credit, they do have a really good program for any wrestler that they ever employed or had before, that if they have substance use issues, they will send them to rehab. And I, I mean, I would applaud them on that. Uh, not like I like to applaud WWE and a lot of things, but I think that, you know, uh, Matt Riddle, I don't know. I, I think that he just kind of doesn't care. Like he just wants to do what he wants to do and he's going to be, if you, if you bring him to the ring, he's going to be a consistent wrestler for you. But the outside of the ring, uh, when it becomes a problem, that starts making you a liability. And you can't hide that liability anymore because there's too many cameras. There's too much media. They're too famous, right? Like wrestlers were in a, in a niche group for a long time and now they're more mainstream. And, and because the media is out there... It's like if you're getting Logan Paul, you're going to have way too much media attention with a guy like Riddle. He's not a big enough draw. You might put up with Roman Reigns doing something like that, but you're not going to put up with Matt Riddle doing something like that. But I have heard that he has now released his first weed, uh, his weed brand or something. So he's going to, you know, go on top of that. W AEW, he could go to AEW. I don't know if his character really fits. I, I kind of wish he's not like so broy. 
Yeah, you know, it's a hard thing, Chris. You know what? You kind of look at these these long-term veterans that are in wrestling, and we talked about how jazzed we were about Adam Copeland signing with AEW, and I, I, I don't want to continue the crosstalk, but the only reason I bring that up is because Adam Copeland, as Edge, was a WWE guy. He paid his dues a lot along the way. He wanted to learn. I mean, there's video of him, uh, you know, in the crowd on a Canadian talk show, you know, asking questions to Bret Hart. Like he traveled, he went all over the place and he learned to act accordingly when he went through. Now, is there a challenge with some of these young kids that are kind of thrown in? Like, I want to say, like, right now you have Nick Wayne with somebody like Christian. Do you think that? that vetting process or that mentorship that's coming is not just teaching them about in-ring stuff, but also about how to act accordingly on the outside of the ring for the good of the company. Yeah. hundred percent. Like let, let's look at how much Nick Wayne's getting off of Christian, like the rub, if I will, let's look at the rub he's getting off of Christian. He's learning how to use a business. I think we can all agree that like that, that go fuck yourself was like, that was a huge moment. Yeah, and uh, you know what? I think at the end of it, uh, we we are going to get there with that in the AEW in our topic today, which will be okay. So yeah, we are gonna I have get more to, that, to talk so. about. Okay, yeah, don't talk but about it right now. I just now. mean that's why there was a stall, people. Yeah. We were all kind of looking at each other. They're like, "Are we going to talk about this now?" But we can't. <laughs> no, no, no. But yeah, and and like they're get, they're giving the rut like Nick Wayne's like like he's getting he's getting the the opportunity of a lifetime right now. Um, sorry, what was the question? No, it's just basically like the vetting process and the mentorship. Like, um, is that integral for a lot of these really young stars? Because, I mean, you look at NXT has the NIL program, like the next in line program. They have NXT. They have all these things. Like, is it important to have mentorship on the outside of the ring stuff? Because that's really the key. Like, what, what I'm trying to say is, are we trying to mentor them to prevent what Matt Riddle did from happening to really put the company into disrepute? Well, like if we look at Matt Riddle, like his story is not too bad compared to a lot of the stuff we've seen in the past, right? Like we're like they're they're trying their best, and and I agree with Josh. Like the WWE is really good with giving anybody rehab who's ever worked for the company. They'll always give them rehab. Um, I just think basically. I lost my train of thought again. No, Jeez. it's okay. I mean, it's just it's it's one of those things. I mean, like the, I would I will say <laughs> we're going through. Are you smoking Matt Riddle's weed brand, Chris? Like, is that what's happening right now? Like, is he going to be number one in North I, America or what? <laughs> yeah, I think I'm going to be hitting his strain from because like Fuck I am yeah. flying right now. Nice. So in a lot of cases, like my personal belief. So Chris, you can just listen to me. Go. I'll go. I I think like in a lot of in a lot of other sports, and I know that, you know, wrestling is entertainment and, um, you know, it's there, it's choreographed, scripted, whatever you want to call it. But I still think no matter what it is, um, it's very easy to have a PR nightmare. I agree with what you said, Josh. When you look at that rehab program for that the WWE has and you're going through, like, that's an amazing program. Now, my original question when it happened years ago is, is this because they want to do it or is it because it's liability after what happened with the steroid scandal? I think from... You know, when I'm thinking about it, honestly, like who wouldn't want their people that have worked for a company or who are are alumni or anything have a scenario where they couldn't get the help they needed. And I think that's really, really important to look. But when you kind of talk about Nick Wayne, I think, yeah, Chris, you're right. Like he's getting the rub from Christian. 
but he's not just teaching them like how to do a proper arm bar. He's not teaching them how to, you know, ring psychology. It's also about like, okay, this is how you travel. This is what you're going to do. Like when we get on the plane, this is what happens when you have to sign autographs. When you get off the plane, like you got to smile and you got to do this shit. Like it's part of pushing the brand and pushing your brand forward. And you know, like, cause if you look at somebody like Edge and Christian, like name an incident that they had, over their 25 year careers. I don't even think you can name one other than edge and like Matt Hardy, like, but whatever, like that ended up being a storyline and it really wasn't the end of the world. Like, I don't think any of them were ever going to be fired for sleeping with somebody else's girlfriend, but Christians never had an issue. Like, am I like, am I wrong? Like, I don't think he's ever had one. So no, I don't think he's ever been accused of anything. I don't think like Christian's such a professional. Yeah. And I think that's what it is. Like right now we're trying to teach these young kids to be professionals. And I think that's really the road that I was trying to get to with that question is like, are we teaching them to not just, you know, be great performer in the ring? Are we also teaching them how to be great human beings outside the ring? Because it literally takes one person to really bring the company down for, for something. And then it's all in the news. And like you guys said, social media, everything that we have, um, they're famous and they're going to get sought out and they're probably in this day and age, potentially going to get canceled. So, good luck. We hope Matt Riddle, um, you know, makes a comeback at some point and, uh, you know, doesn't have any more altercations at the airport because that was uh, a shitty video to watch. But um, next, our final topic that we have for WWE, I want to talk about kind of like the land of misfit toys a little bit. And I want to talk about like people that we can potentially see coming up. And I want to throw out one name out there, um, which is Bronson Reed. So we talked about at the beginning of the 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 um of the show that we we're talking about people that don't necessarily have the physical builds that we normally see from a WWE champion. Bronson Reed is a big guy, heavy guy. Um, I wouldn't say he's a muscular build. I'd say he's more on the heavy side of a build. Um, I I don't know what to say. I'm not going to say fat, but he's like he's like he's probably a huskier build. He's he's a very large man. Um, and when you look at a lot of it, the stuff that he can do, and we were talking about Dom being kind of his size, but not being athletic, I like Bronson Reed has been amazing. So when he was in NXT, he ran it up. He finally got on the show and basically then he got released. Then he goes out, changes his name to his real name, Jonah, goes to Japan, makes a name over there. And then he gets hired back when Triple H got hired back. Now, so when you look at a guy like Bronson Reed, and what I want you guys to do is think of yourself as the booker here, Josh. If you had to book Bronson Reed all the way to the top, what would you do to make it happen? What are his strengths? What are his weaknesses? And what would you do to hone in on him to, let's say, make him um, on the kind of upper mid card to potentially main event in the next two to three years? Uh, Well, I think you just need to do a slow build with him. I think like, you know, maybe he's the one that takes the intercontinental title off of Gunther. Like I would believe a man like that beating Gunther. Um, I think that he's, he's got the, one of the, you know, the types of looks that WWE looks out for. They do love a big, big man. Um, He could be a monster. Uh, I think it's typically you see you guys like this, where they do a lot of squash matches and then they'll win over, you know, a formidable person. I think he's been having good matches. I'm just not sure if he's... I think the problem is that the WWE's got their guys right now that they just want to push. And because they've given, you know, two or three of their titles such a prolonged um, 
duration that you really are not giving an opportunity to these other wrestlers to move up because it's like what are they competing for they they can't compete for the intercontinental title because they have to lose because you want to keep gunther as the champion you know so you you put them in a title in a tag title but you know now you've combined the tag titles so they're going to get less opportunities to win a tag title and be more in a prominent story and i kind of think like he's maybe you know, a year away from winning a intercontinental title, and maybe that's his push. His mic work, I'm not really certain. I don't, I haven't seen him on the mic enough, but I really like his in-ring work. Uh, his stamina doesn't seem to be too much of a problem, but I haven't seen him work an hour-long match yet. Yeah, and you, and you know what? I don't think he's ever going to do an hour-long Broadway. Like, Chris, one of the things I watched today, which was kind of yeah. funny, and um, I never sent it to you, and I probably should have, was I actually watched uh, John Tenta, the the person who played Earthquake back in the day. Um, John Tenta was in Japan and did a run, and basically, I can't even remember what happened. I think it was Ultimo Dragon got sent to the outside, and basically John Tenta, at 400 pounds, basically teased that he was going to do either a Tope Suicida or he was going to do something over, and then just kind of backed off, and the crowd just fucking laughed their ass off. Now... You guys don't remember when uh, when Tully Blanchard did that with uh, with FTR? Yeah, I do. <laughs> but I don't think Tully, Tully Blanchard's about a buck ten now in his, in his older yeah. age. John Tenta's like sitting there at 400 pounds and, uh, you know, God bless his soul. Um, you know, Canadian boy as well, kind of going through and, uh, basically teasing that and gets a big, like uh, a big reaction from the crowd in, in Japan when he goes through. So when that happened, that's why I kind of brought up Bronson Reed's name. I kind of brought this up and one of the things that I really want to go through is that when you look, when the TV cameras aren't necessarily on it and that personality comes out, like, when you're kind of looking at physique, WWE has a scenario where they're not necessarily body shaming, but I think that in a lot of cases, we don't see a lot of big men anymore like we did in the 80s, 90s, and probably a little bit in the early 2000s. Um, does does Bronson Reed's physique hold him back, or would you just let his personality come through and just see where it goes? Because let's face it, one of the challenges that we have right now is that there's so many posters on everything, and it seems to be all about the either you know the most muscular or the most attractive person in a lot of cases being on those posters what are your thoughts it's it's tough to say like if even like when you bring up john tenta earthquake we all know we all know his names um you can only have one guy like that right now and and right now kind of uh what's his name holds that position otis 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 is that big guy right yeah like you can have you can't have two of these big guys going out of like you need one who comes in at, it, it's hard to say because it's 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 not the same way as booking was back in the day. Like these guys aren't the end all be all anymore. Yeah. Like even just to see so like to see somebody the size of Bronze Reed anymore isn't isn't that great. And uh like to say I don't want to say they're they're overweight, but like they're not a like a they're they're not a built a built individual like Seamus, like Seamus, Seamus has a prototypical body type, right? Now, my for, question is, I'm like going to cut you off there a little bit when we go through. Now, skill is skill. We've talked about Bronson Reed right now. We talked about his athleticism and he can do things that a big guy can't really do at that weight. Like, I, like, like he's athletic as hell. It was like kind of like watching somebody like Umaga in a way, like 300 some pounds. He's doing splashes off the top. He just can do all this stuff. Now, my question is like, 
and it might be slightly hypothetical. When did this actually happen that um, weight and everything overtook the skill? Is, is it going back to what I said before about the posters and the media? Or, it, like, because I've never heard ever about the topic of what you just said and having w only one, like, kind of an overweight big man on a on a show like it doesn't really make any sense to me where we saw that a lot more back in the day right and i mean you're right booking is completely different but can jonah make it to the top being his size or does he have to pull a gunter and drop like a hundred and some pounds just to be relevant are you asking me yeah josh you can cut into it uh want. but chris first well i so yeah, like I like I'm not I'm disputing what you say. I'm just saying that like back in the day, like we'd have typhoon, we have natural disasters, right? So they have their spot on the card. And then now I th I think with Bronson Reed coming up, we already have a Bronson Reed and Otis. It's like it's like can we have two of these guys running this thing? Like if if we could book, if we were all booking, we could probably figure it out. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But with the way WWE books, it's like there's no room for two of you. Josh, but Bronson Reed or Otis, who's better? Well, I think they're two different things. Otis is playing more of a comical character right now. Uh, I think that Bronson Reed is a little bit taller, so I think that he's probably has the bigger chance of actually becoming like a champion, like a like a world heavyweight champion. But I, I don't think that he could afford to lose a hundred pounds and be the same character. Like that, the, the reason that he's successful is because he's a big man who can do what he does. Now, if he loses a hundred pounds, do I? Does his splash get two more feet off the ground? Absolutely not. Right? Like he's not gonna, he's not gonna be doing like a Montez Ford level frog splash. I, I don't think, and it's not like he's six foot five or anything like that. Right? He's like what six one. Yeah. So he's. It's just that, like, if you're going to be, uh, if he was going to lose weight, then he would lose pretty much what he's got going for him in the sense that, like, that's his, he's got to be able to hammer someone and that weight, just like Otis has, he's a shorter wrestler, that, like, he's able to dominate wrestlers. If he loses 100 pounds, then he's, what, two, 250 and he's smaller than fucking Sheamus? Yeah, yeah, that's a great um, point. Like, it's almost like it's a kind of like football, right? It's like you're never going to see a 210-pound defensive lineman. <laughs> like, it's never going to happen. And and nowadays what we're seeing is no. we're starting to see people getting into, like, 340, 350, where 10 years ago they were like people are like, that guy's 290. And now we're seeing, like, 330, 340, 350, and we're like, what the fuck? Like, you know, so. Yeah, well, you look at, like, Yoko kazuna right like he was he was booked really well i think that they haven't had a big rest like a big as a japanese man. wrestler yeah i mean you know at least uh uh they yeah they yeah i don't want to comment on that but yeah um i think that they could do it again i just again it's the wwe's booking has been one guy for three years right like it's how do you there's not going to be guys who move up and to make advancements. So, you know, they might just be falling by the wayside and you hope that they catch something organically like LA Knight. But if they don't, then, you know, they're going to, they're not going to get there. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so polarizing too, right? Like yeah. it's so polarizing where all of a sudden we have three years and we have one champion. Like this is the way a champion looks. They're trying to put it down our throats that this is the way that a champion looks. But yeah, there's, there's been no change. And that's why, yeah, that's why 
I watch. That's why I watch AEW more than I watch WWE now. Yeah, and it's uh, two final points on this before we switch over to the AEW topics. Really, um, the thing is, I, I've always said it doesn't matter if you're chiseled or if you're not. If you literally beat the shit out of somebody, nobody cares. And two, Yokozuna, as much as I'm not going to comment on what it is, was basically portrayed as Japanese just to get Mr. Fuji in there because Mr. Fuji won him a few matches by throwing the salt. So let's be for real. That was the reason that that happened. We're not condoning it. We don't agree with it. We're not going to go any forward with it. It's not cool, but that was then. This is now, and that would not fly this day. But Mr. Fuji is the fucking man. That's what I will say. Now, going into AEW, going to talk good show on Dynamite. A lot of cool shit happened, but let's talk about a big one. The Don Callis family just keeps getting bigger, and that brown noise just keeps getting louder. And what we're seeing over there is that we saw a tag team match happen. I can't remember who was really in it. I think it was, like, Takeshita, and it wasn't Guevara. Who was Fletcher. it? Oh, Fletcher. Oh, yeah, Kyle Fletcher against, uh, you know, Jericho and Omega. And then all of a sudden, who comes out to save the day and destroy basically everybody? Who wants to do it? I'm not going to do it. Chris usually does it, but he's walking Powerhouse. Powerhouse. You got it. Powerhouse Hobbs comes out and basically aligns himself with Callus. Um, and that family just keeps getting stronger and stronger. Um, and it just gets crazy. Now, Josh, Chris kind of moved his broken door out of the way and walked out of the room without really saying too much. Um, I don't know if he's getting a glass of water or something. That's fine. It's a long pod that we do. But when you look at Powerhouse Odds, we talked about, obviously, in past episodes about his tremendous upside that he has. Um, where do you think he's going to fit? Do you think he fits as an enforcer for Don Callis? Or do you think that he's going to have his own personality and really push um, his way into the singles fold with it? Um, because it's kind of hard with stables, right? When you have these families and these groups of people, usually everybody has a role. Do you think he's going to adapt more to a role or do you think he's going to continue on the singles path that he's on being in the family? Um, I think that he's, he, I don't think he's going to be the number one in the family. I, I like to catch as the number one. So I think that, you know, maybe Hobbs can play, you know, like going for like the North American title or the international title. Um, I still see him as a singles wrestler. I'm not sure if I see him as a tag wrestler. Wasn't he with Ricky Starks at one point or they were kind of aligned? Yep. Um, but I, I just like Hobbs uh, as, I mean, he's a monster. I mean, they, but they did bring Wardlow back now. So it's kind of like what Chris said uh, earlier with uh, the big man. I, I also find that it's like it's hard to have two guys who just have squash matches. But I, I was really impressed with I'm really impressed with Hobbs's later latest work anyways. Like he's actually had good longer matches. I the Spinebuster's okay for me. It's it's a little bit of a softer finisher. Um but I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. I think that if he develops an, a secondary finisher or an additional finisher or maybe like a submission move or something, I think that that would be uh, really strong. I, I just I think that he would be probably be the enforcer, but he's also like that wild card where he could, you know, steal an uh, international title and or you know um, maybe the uh, FTW title. I guess everybody's got a title these days in AEW though. <laughs> I think one of the things I absolutely love about the family is that we haven't seen the person that has like the main event yet. It's all these people that are either up and coming or they're in the mid card, but they're all highly, highly rated. 
And I think that's what it is. And I like the fact that Don Callis has basically created um, this scenario. I mean, other than like, cause I mean, Osprey is basically, we don't know if he's in, in the family or not. Like he's, he's sided with them, um, but we don't know. He's not official. Right. So the question is like, you got Guevara, you got Takeshita. Like I said, Josh, I agree that that's the number one. Um, you got Hobbs. So Chris, we we're talking about Hobbs's upside and how we've already talked about that. So when you're looking at Hobbs, Hobbs is actually going to fight Jericho on Dynamite. And and Dynamite was this week was a weird show. It started off really slow and then got a lot better after Wardlow. Um, so and, and kind of really kind of tapered in. So when you're kind of looking at Hobbs and Jericho, like to me at this point, this looks like Jericho is going to get his ass kicked. What do you think is 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 on the men for Hobbs here when you're kind of looking? Where do you see him going in the next year or so being in this group? He's probably getting the rub, I assume, from Jericho, if that's what what's happening. It, it it and and just like Josh and I have kind kind of gone back and forth on. Um, you only have room for one big man like that, and you just you debut both of them on the same night. So, but like, they have Warlow's coming back. They have four big Sorry? men. They don't have two. Oh, I, they have I, four. Like the other two, who are the other two? The other two for me are Miro and Big Bill, right? Like they have four big men on that show. <laughs> they do. So that's that's what I'm saying. Like it's hard to it's hard to market. Like like you're trying to market each one as the big man who just dominates the match, right? Like you can't have three you can't have four guys like they're eventually gonna have to run into each other. Mm-hmm. So why don't you put them together like it's it's a hard roster build when you think about it. Like if you if you have like guys that big on like you have four guys who are the same size. Like what you don't have work for all of them. But that Miro fucking Hobbs match was so good. Yeah. I'm not saying they're not good. I'm just saying like you have you have so much size all of a sudden on your roster and you don't know what to do with it. I think like I, well, and that's probably like, one of the like, reasons why we don't see them fight every week, right? Like you have you you see Miro kind of coming in for these like matches. You see Hobbs is the same thing. We don't see Hobbs every week, right? Um and and same thing, Big Bill is kind of, you know, a little bit of an enforcer now with Ricky Starks. And I think we're seeing some of these big guys that are kind of having those those um those scenarios that are kind of coming out and it's like uh i don't know for me like it's beyond me i think one of the mistakes that tony has when he's looking at this booking is why is wardlow built as the number one big man like i just i'm not sold on wardlow he's big he can do a powerbomb symphony but i don't really care like if i wanted to watch goldberg i would have watched goldberg back in the 90s and definitely not 2000s wcw because he was even worse there and I wouldn't watch him in the WWE, but if I wanted to watch Goldberg, I'll just go back and watch 90s WCW. I don't need to see another one. So I agree with what you're saying. Four big men is nuts. It's hard to build, but you also have three different shows, right? But it, is it also a bad thing to play play it out and see who like who makes it out as the best one? Like, like what are you going to do? If you have them all under contract, you might as well use them and see who, who takes that opportunity the best. <coughs> Well, if you've seen the AW roster, it's a fucking clusterfuck. It's way too big. It's massive. And uh, you look at the women's division, and we see on the reg probably about six or seven women, and there's 20 women in that division, right? 
So it's kind of weird how they have the whole setup. And, and now I'm not knocking. I know we're getting a little bit off topic here on Hobbs, and that's cool. We'll kind of go this route. But I think I don't think there is a need to have one singular big man be like kind of the cream of the crop of the big man. <laughs> like, really, if we could see, like, we saw Miro and Hobbs. Like, I honestly think, like, Big Bill and Hobbs would be good. I think Miro and Big Bill would be good. I think even if you had Wardlow, like, when he gets a little bit more ring time and a couple years from now, fight Miro or somebody, I'm probably all right. It, will, will it be as good as Hobbs and Miro? No, I think those are the two big ones right now. Those are the two big draws for what we see for the big boys, right? Um, it, it's really interesting to see yeah. where it goes. Go ahead. I, I actually think Wardlow is the worst big man I agree. that they have. Uh, I mean, I would he, agree he, with that. He, he gets the the power bomb pop, but like, um, you know, I think that the thing with Miro is that he's got a little bit more. I mean, he's got way more experience than everybody else. So, um, well, maybe Bill, Big Bill, does too. But Miro, he he has a different style, so I find that he's not like he he's more of like a like. He doesn't wear the singlet. He doesn't have that. Like I don't know. I just find that Miro's kind of got some more range because he's got that the kicks and he's got the good. Um, he's he's got the good uh, submission finisher. So, and even Big Bill, like I don't find that he's the same. But I find Wardlow and Hobbs are almost like they kind of are identical. And like I said, like uh, like, a, like you said, like a Goldberg. Um, but you know, maybe Wardlow gets the push because. Uh, He's a white guy. Yeah, and the problem well, is, is that when you're looking like... at Wardlow... <laughs> sorry, I'll cut in really quick, and I'll just say this really quick so you can go, Chris. Um, this is the big one for me, is that Wardlow was gone, and I didn't miss him. That was it for me. He was gone. I didn't miss him. He came back. I was like, who cares? Chris, go ahead. Uh, I'll agree with that. Like, But let's look at the way like that... Uh, so, like, Miro is the one who's coming in from WWE, and he, he's, like... Obviously, you can tell just by watching him. Like, you can see that's the guy you want to put your money on. All the other three, like two of them, Big Bill, Big Bill was fired by WWE, but also um, Powerhouse and the other one were all uh, Powerhouse and Wardlow were all <laughs> AW, AW built, right? AW built. And still, like, it seems like Miro is the one who who's more seasoned out of all of them, right? He also had the most experience totally. in big matches. Like all these other guys never really had it. Like Cass was well, sorry. Like big bill when he was cast was pushed to try to go to the top. And then he kind of pulled a riddle and then, you know, and then cleaned his life up and, you know, what, kudos to him for doing that. But I mean, I don't think any of the people that are there have the experience that Miro has. That's the seasoning. That's the salt pepper, the oregano, anything you want to talk about. That's him being a U.S. champion. That's him, you know, basically, you know, wrestling 300 dates a year. And and doing what he did, and now he doesn't really have to do that anymore. You know, it's it's kind of a it's kind of an interesting dichotomy that between both companies. So I don't know, Hobbs with Callus is going to be interesting. I think the family still got a bunch of stuff to say. I don't know if they're going to bring in uh, you know Aussie Open or or what's going to happen, but the the family keeps getting bigger, and uh, the more brown noise, the better, is what I say. Now. Yeah, Fletcher was there because uh, Sammy Guevara had yeah. a concussion. And he, yeah, he was a med- medically and cleared. Don Callis also said that Kyle Fletcher let him down. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's no Will Ospreay, let's put it that way. But he's also 24, so he's got a big upside. Um, now, like I said, with Dynamite, kind of started off a little bit slow, kind of a little weird, kind of Wardlow came out. And then all of a sudden, close to the end, 
business started to pick up and it really picked up when the bang bang gang showed up and basically kind of called out MJF. MJF was in the ring or I don't even know. MJF came out, Bullet Club was in the ring and then they kind of switched. But long story short, Jay White and MJF is going down at what is it? Full gear, November 18th. Um, that's probably going to be your main event more than likely for the, you know, the AW world heavyweight championship, but what an unbelievable set of promos from MJF and Jay White. I'll say it again, Chris, do you absolutely love when MJF calls Jay White tofu? Yeah, I loved it. I mean, when's the last time we saw an AEW event that went like that had a 20 minute promo and, and it was good. It was great. And I, I love how they call him tofu. I don't know. This is, I, th- I, I think we have a lot more to go with this. Yeah. Cause like Jay, Jay White's when I thought, I honestly thought when, uh, MJF kind of called him out and and did the promo on him. I thought I'm like Jay White. Jay White's buried. Then Jay White called people poors last week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did. And he held his own. And he held his own. And that's that's all I want to see. I don't care how big you are. Like this, I like to do this. I do this to my wife. Mm-hmm. Like like Chris, is, Chris is showing the bullet so, club sign. By if anybody uh, can't see, which you can't because it's a podcast, but bullet club sign. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be, I, 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 it's not, it's not something we haven't been talking about for like the last two months though. Right. Yeah. It, it, you know what? We kind of, we've talked about bullet club gold and we've talked about their importance. We've talked about matches they've been in, but Jay White's now moving into that upper echelon. And, um, you know what, this is one of the things that I really kind of, of look at that he's kind of stepped in. And he's slowly making himself since his transition from Japan to America, because nobody watched a lot of Japanese wrestling. He's transitioning into one of the best promos on TV. And I think we're, we're, we're kind of, it's cool being an older wrestling fan. Like we're not super old, but you know, when you kind of watch that transition and it's happening, it's really interesting when you kind of get to see it live. And I think we kind of saw that transition happen on Wednesday night um you know juice robinson yeah we're seeing we're seeing a signing go right for sure and and juice robinson drives me crazy the guns drive me crazy even jay white i want to slap the shit out of him and that just means what josh always says they're doing their jobs (laughs) and i think in a lot of cases it makes it fun like it's almost like why would like it's true like my only my only thought process why i really wanted to slap jay white was you're kind of sitting there from a storyline point of view and he's like i know what you're all about i know that you were the devil you're not gonna pull me over it's like dude everything shitty mjf ever did he literally said to people's face <laughs> like he did on on wednesday night right so like josh you kind of look at this situation we have this parting story with the devil we have jay white getting beaten up is jay white walking out of full gear on november 18th as the AEW World Heavyweight Champion, yes or no? And if if it is, I don't know. You can even give a percentage if you want on what you think his odds are of actually winning it. I really want to say maybe. I, I don't know. I think it's really hard to tell. I think that the wild card with the who's in the devil mask uh, plays into it big. Um. There's more to the story, so it's really hard to tell where it goes. And I'm really excited that that's the case. 65-35 that MJF wins, I think. If if I were to put a percentage on it, I would bet on MJF if I had to. 
Uh, I wouldn't bet my house because you never know. There could be an injury and you call an audible. You know, John Moxley lost his title and he wasn't supposed to. So uh, even though, you know, it is predetermined, sometimes it, it the predetermined result doesn't actually end up happening. Yeah, I think I would actually like to see uh, Jay White win. And if there's a chance that MJF is going to leave the company, which I don't think there is, uh, that uh, he has to lose before December ends because his, his, his contract's over January 1st, right? Yeah, and I think one of the... Or that's what he keeps saying. There's there's another thing that I've been thinking about this storyline. One, I have a, a funny one. It's almost like now with what we're going to talk about next with uh, Christian Cage and, and Adam Copeland. I kind of want the... I want Christian Cage to be behind the devil mask. But, like, as a joke, Ooh. it'd be interesting. But what I'm really starting to think now is that if... You know what? We're starting to hear more and more, like Chris said last week, that Adam Cole's injury is legit. And so my thought process here is maybe it's not really about MJF. Maybe this whole situation really is about getting at Jay White. And I think that's a scenario that we could see on November 18th where it's not MJF that the devil's going to go after. They're going to fake it and it's going to be Jay White that's going to get the beat up and then we'll find out who's behind the mask. That's an interesting concept because Josh, then that answers your question of what you're talking about with you know, basically it's all a work of why the heel got attacked, right? I'm not, I'm not spitting conspiracy theories. It's just something that kind of, I thought about today and I'm like, maybe the JY beatdown is to kind of signify that somebody's going to go after MJF and maybe they just don't even touch MJF. And maybe it is somebody that MJF is working with. That's not Adam Cole. Maybe it's somebody that MJF had no, no idea who it was. And just really wanted to get at Jay White. So now I started thinking, I'm like, who's Jay White's enemies? Like, who wants to get him? <laughs> right? And and so I'm going to do more delving. It's just it's something that kind of popped up today. But you know what? I think at Full Gear in that main event, my personal thought is, and if you had to bet on something, is that we're going to see somebody brand new behind the mask on November 18th. Chris, like, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think that that's a potential that could happen with the storyline? Yeah, you just opened my eyes quite a bit up to that, like what what that could be, like because we kind of we kind of have been brought out of that, and we don't because like a whole a whole pay per view happened without that happening, without us getting a payoff to that. So, like, who is that? We all thought it was Edge, right? We all talked, and we we thought it was going to be Edge. Well, Quartermarsh and I thought it was Matt, and I thought it was. Gonna be Edge. <laughs> That's my last name, by the way. Just deal with it. Sorry about that. That's okay. Uh, but it. I don't know, but this is one of the funnest parts of pro wrestling. If you ask me is like when I don't know, I, like I actually, I actually have no idea. I have no idea who that masked man could be. And, and that's been keeping me involved for so long. Cause like, I don't know who that could be. Like I had people and, like, like, I was it's going, not like, I was, it's not like we, Oh, sorry. sorry no, I was just, I was I just, I was kind of going back over the, like the roster and I'm trying to think who it is. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, maybe it's Marty Skrull. And I'm like, oh, yeah, he's canceled. But then I started thinking, and I'm like, what about David Finley? What's his contract situation like with NJPW? And then you start thinking of old Bullet Club members that basically could have been involved in that when they come through. And and like I said, who really has a hate on Jay White? Because there was a couple people in NJPW that fucking hated Jay White. 
and like in the storylines, obviously. <laughs> and um, I really want to go back and try to figure out like if if maybe it is, maybe it's somebody else from Bullet Club that's coming in that just really wants to do a number on Jay White and say, your Bullet Club gold faction's horseshit. Like we're the real Bullet Club. And then all of a sudden with this, this relationship that you have with NJPW, now we have an international feud between Bullet Clubs, <laughs> which could be really interesting. Yeah, and I, I mean that's like that's the best part. That's that's why we watch this business, right? Yeah, like we watch this business for times like this when, like, we're not the smartest people around. We know all know that we don't, we don't. But I mean, you know, we can usually call it how it is. But the thing is, like, this is fun. Part of part of the funnest parts of being a pro wrestling fan when you don't know what's going to happen. Like we don't know until we're until they actually show us who that is. Like, when's AJ's style? When's when's AJ's contract up? Because he was a big Bullet Club guy, right? Yeah, he's still there, though. I don't think his contract's up before that happens. He was one of the ones that I thought. Yeah, like, but... Same uh, thing with Finn, right? Like, I don't think it's any of them. I don't think it's a leader. I think it's... I don't know. It's 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 really interesting to see. And I'm kind of like... I was kind of even thinking, maybe it's not even somebody in Bullet Club. What about what about maybe it being Will Ospreay? Maybe because Will Ospreay and Jay White hate each other. I know that for a fact. Could all that go back to could all go back to Adam Cole. It could, and that that's like kind of what you just said, Josh. Do you agree with what Chris has said? Like this is the coolest part because we're fucking we're totally have no idea what's gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, I think it. I think we're gonna be let down because I think it'd probably just be Adam Cole. But um, I would love for it to be someone we're not expecting. I still think Daniel Garcia is in there somewhere. I don't know, um, but I'm just like. I think I'm stuck on like there's five of them, right? Four attackers, one leader. So it's like, okay, so it's either, you know, a group of people or people who are connected that are, you know, kind of that number plus maybe another person here or there, or it's just four rant. It's, it's not relevant at all. And uh, they're just fucking with us. Who knows? I just, I, again, I agree that I find it weird that they attack the heel so, like, I kind of see, like, totally, like, it could be, like, the per- maybe it's even Bullet Club and it's a coup, you know? Like, yeah. they're tired of carrying around his stupid fucking, his 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 uh, stupid uh, stick figure, like, the, pi- the picture of himself, you know? And it, yeah. it's Juice Robinson in the mask and the guns and maybe Daniel Garcia or... Maybe uh, Chuck Taylor finally fucking blew a, a gasket and he's now a heel. You know? <laughs> the Kentucky gentleman basically screwing over Jay. I'm just I'm looking at the roster right now, so it's like, oh, it's Christopher Daniels and Danhausen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's like, oh yes, very good, very good. Oh. The theory is very we got good, very you. evil. Cursed. Very good, very evil. <laughs> but you're cursed. And so the funny thing is, I heard that I heard that the curse in the video game, he can actually curse you in the video. Yeah. Game. So the funny thing uh. was they added that. So they added that and they had a big patch when they did that. And they added Dan Housen's curse in there. And the funny thing is either the curse works or it backfires against you. It can backfire on you, too. I played that game at guess whose place? McPherson. Everybody take a, take drink. a drink. You hear Mc, McPherson? If you listen to this podcast, you're a big hit. So we, we're going to start a McPherson drinking game with this podcast. Just let me tell you. So that's number one for Chris tonight when he said it. So everybody take a sip or basically it'll get to a point where you just have to chug a beer at that point. Now, 
Guys, we're running a little bit late on time here. We're going to have a longer podcast, I think, than normal, which is always a good thing. We like talking about wrestling, but we got to talk about, you know, so we talk about Jay White's promo. We sat there and we said, holy fuck, this promo is great. And then all of a sudden, going into the end, we get Edge going out, and then we get basically Edge spewing his guts out to Christian saying, I came here so we could do this together. Let's be a tag team. We'll go after the tag team championships. You know, he offers a handshake and a hug, and Christian gives him a big hug, basically fakes a tear. And the three most iconic words I think you're going to hear over the last five years in AW, he basically takes the mic behind Adam Copeland's shoulder and says, Go fuck yourself. (laughs) Absolutely amazing. Mind-blowing. He basically goes back down the ramp. Adam Copeland's in shock, and basically Luchasaurus and Nick Wayne show up just to kind of stand behind him, and that's the end of the show. Holy fuck. A fucking plus. That's how good it was. And when you're looking at promos, I, I wrote in the chat, guys, I said, it's iconic. And I don't know if anybody agreed. Nobody really commented. So either people don't agree or they're like, yeah, Matt, you're just fucking blowing out of proportion. But I am going to bring this question up and I'm going to go to our resident skeptic. Josh, if you think of AW moments, and there's a lot of great ones. Is this in the top 10 most iconic moments? Whether you want to put it all together with pay-per-views, but my mind says on Dynamite, is this one of the top 10 iconic moments that actually happened? Because like it, it, it felt like it got shot in the chest when he said it, and I fucking died. I laughed my ass off when he said it. I mean, I love when you ask us if it's like the top ten, like I keep track of what my favorite moments are. But I yeah, I think it was one of the most iconic moments, yes, because because uh, Adam Copeland or the Rated R Superstar and Christian Cage, uh, I mean, just because of their history and the fact that uh, – the rated R superstar has not really wrestled anywhere else. And he, you know, had a long career, WWE did everything in WWE and that this moment has been culminating for a long time because Christian was not going back to WWE and these two deserve to have this moment, whether it leads to their double retirement or, you know, like their retirement from in-ring work or do whatever it is, or they finally tag again. I mean, when he, when my nipples got hard, when uh, Adam said, like, we can tag again. And I was like, oh my God, like, but Christian's for sure not turning face and, and Adam's not going to be a heel because he's such a face. Maybe he'll be a heel eventually. But uh, yeah, I was excited because I was just thinking like, oh, that table ladders and chairs match that they had with the Hardys and like the spear from the, from the, from the, the ladder, like just those moments that, you know, bring me back to our formative years, you know, in high school and thinking like, wow. And so maybe, you know, that's why I'm a little bit biased with this, this promo is because like, I remember like in typing class where someone would stick their head in and go, fuck you, gangrel. And it was like, you know, the group was popular. And it's just like, so those moments that you grew up with and like, that's why, like, I think like, yes, for me. It's an iconic moment. And just the fact that we're witnessing something like that. Mr. Um, Herdman. Mr. Herdman hated that. Mr. Herdman. And it was like, so, yeah. So, and of course, you know, Tony just loves to push the envelope. I mean, I was it in uh, on Dynamite where Kenny Omega took a chair shot to the head? Like, yeah. I mean, 
come on. Like, I know, okay, the chair's got to be worked a little bit. Like, it, there's no way. It's not a steel chair. I get it. But, like, have they not heard of CTE? Like, <laughs> does, is Kenny Omega going to, I don't know. He doesn't. That's why is they he, like Callus use that. Callus use the chair and not Hobbs. <laughs> now, yeah. Chris. Well, either way, it's. Yeah, sorry. Uh, finish off. Yeah, you're right. Um, Chris, before we finish off, I just have three points for Josh. Um, Josh said your nipples are getting hard, so because you grow a lot of plants, we can call you Plant Daddy Magic now. That's one. Number two, like, how the fuck do you not have any lists? Like, if, I just, if you're talking about a it's top not that I list. Keep, I just don't keep track of things like that. Like, I just don't have, like, this is my, like, I mean, I have a list. Okay, sure, I have my favorite movie, but, like, I just, I was just, I was just What's kind your of, favorite you know, movie? Shawshank Redemption. Oh, it's everybody's. It's like the number one on IMDb. Good, good try. Well, I, I have it. I have it. I have a quote on my arm tattooed. So fuck you. You know, no, my I'm favorite is that Chris. You should. I know ask it's me that great. Question. I know it's it's great. I like fucking great things. I'm I'm very fucking white bread. Chris, you should ask me what my favorite movie is. Matt, what's your favorite movie? It's uh, Ice Cold with Zach Galifianakis. Where the one where they basically they're snowboarding on the mountain. Is that the snowboarding movie? Yeah, and then Lee Lee Majors buys the mountain, and then they basically do everything they can to piss off Lee Majors. It's fucking great. Oh, you love those movies like Ski School and stuff oh, when yeah, like the guys taking over this, the guys trip, taking over the trip. the whole hill. <laughs> uh, and then so because Josh doesn't like list Chris before, now I'm going to start asking you my question. But my last thing is that so all I'm going to say to Josh is this, Chris. You know what? You know what my next line is going to be. Josh, you just made the list. And that's what I'm going to oh. say because you don't fucking like lists, you motherfucker. But anyways, Chris, we're talking about Cage, go fuck yourself. We're talking about Adam Copeland still. And my question is, talked about we thought they were going to be a tag team. He kind of said in the presser that he wanted to go through. What do you think is going to be the match? Do you think it's Cage against Copeland for the TNT title? Do you think that it's Cage against Copeland, like kind of Josh said, and an homage to our nostalgia as a TNT title match with tables, ladders, and chairs? I think that's where we're going. We have to, right? Like, we can't go anywhere else than this. But uh, just just to talk on that moment, like, I talked to a guy at work, and, he, and I said, iconic moment, and you sent the same text. You said, like, that was iconic. Like, when he turned around, I said, Go fuck yourself. I'm like, you just ruined my whole like childhood. <laughs> like, like, I, but like, you know, like we were there for the first ever tables, ladders, and chairs. And then like it was so good the way they do it. it this is if you ask me my like top top five in AEW, I would say I would say Kenny and Osprey is one at at uh where we Forbidden went. Door. And Two. then I would yeah, and then I would say this is number two. Like, this is such... Like, Adam Copeland came up and said, you don't disrespect Sting like this. Basically, Christian Cage stepped over Sting's broken body and said, go fuck yourself. <laughs> and said, fuck Sting. Fuck Sting. Fuck that guy. Fuck Darby Allen." And, I, I, oh, man, it's... I, I'm I'm so into it. Like, this is my favorite storyline right now yeah it's it's something it's something just it's something else like i I don't know really what to say it's like it's it's almost surreal when you're kind of watching it because we never thought it would ever happen again 
And I think that's part of the allure of it too, is that like, it's something that we never ever thought we'd ever see. Like, I, I don't think if you were to ask us like two years ago, like, Hey man, edge is going to be an AEW be like, yeah, go fuck yourself. That guy's like hall of fame, basically like number one ballad. He's staying with that company and that's it. And then on top of that, to get his, his, his theme music from WWE <laughs> that basically went unlicensed by them or untrademarked. <laughs> And then to and rated R superstar, yeah, and basically getting uh, rated R, uh, yeah, rated R, whatever. Like it's crazy. Like there's so much stuff that he was able to kind of take with him, and they kind of let him go with it. So that kind of really shows what WWE thought of um, that he probably wasn't going to be a big draw in AEW if he did go over there. But do you know how good this is going to be with those two oh, minds sure. doing this with each other? working together they're working all of us saying that like let's get together and he said go fuck yourself yeah, That's what he said <laughs> yeah it, it's it's fucking great i'm actually looking forward to like some rampage tonight i'm looking forward i think uh josh will be here maybe we'll be able to catch collision tomorrow night too that'll be kind of interesting so um and, and that'll be fun man i think that's really what it is but for everybody out there that's basically our show for tonight but we do have a couple things that are kind of left over. So Josh, what slices your salami? Uh, one second here. Let me pull my notes. Isn't there a PLE this weekend? I feel like, is there not a PLE for WWE? Fast lane. Oh, we can. Yeah, we can do that too, Josh. I'd rather watch collision. <laughs> well, well, we'll have a, we'll have a, we'll have a computer screen for the other one. Um, okay. Uh, Oh, okay. should we all hit each other up for that? Man, it's, you know what the funny part was? Is that usually we talk about the PLEs and then we just didn't even do it. Because <laughs> we totally forgot. Yeah. I didn't even know. Like, shows shows what I know about yeah, we can all, we, that point. But we can all watch that on Saturday. Yeah, we can watch yeah, that on Saturday kinda, and then uh, we'll see. Imagine Hopefully, that. I, I kind of hope Josh is up like $2,000 at the poker table. But <laughs> Fingers crossed. All right, slice uh, my okay. salami. All right. Tonight in what slices my salami. Uh, you know what really slices my salami? Uh, everyone mimicking Eddie Guerrero. Not, I'm not saying like, you know, the Hispanic wrestlers. I'm saying like, you know, people are doing the three amigos a little bit too much. They're doing, like, and I, I get it, paying tribute. He didn't die yesterday. So like, it's just like how many people, I just kind of, I'd rather it be special. And I feel like, you know, okay, I get Dominic Mysterio could do it, even though I'm really not a fan. Um, but I just I just don't think that, like, it's not for me. So everyone mimicking Eddie Guerrero is what slices my salami. Now, Chris, before... Not a very good one tonight. Yeah, it's, it's all right. Um, we'll make up for it. Chris, um, I just had a quick question for you before we kind of finish off, uh, because I know that we talked about this on our call yesterday. But, Josh, is it raining where you are right now? It rained this morning. Yeah, because I'm going to steal your thunder a little bit. You know what really fires my furnace? <laughs> Tell me. Is the fact that people steal shticks or things from other wrestlers. But basically, two WWE wrestlers basically took it to another level. And it pissed me off so much that I went on a five-minute rant with Chris when he called. And uh, during the call that we had on Friday. 
basically Josh, if you remember Angel Garza and Humberto Carrillo, who were wrestling, uh, recently wrestled on the NXT to try and wrestle for the tag team championships. I want you to try and see if you can look up their profiles and see like a body shot of them because they recently got some new tattoos. What did they get? They got basically what looked like a wolf scratch on their chest. Now, the quick question to these people is to Josh and Chris. And Josh, I don't expect you to get this. You've seen, I'll give you a hint. You have seen one of them wrestle in a main event of a wrestling event that we were at now. But they did steal that from another tag team and a very damn good tag team in their time. Which is, Josh, would you happen to know who it is? It's all right, Chris, who they steal from? Oh, you can't put this on me. I don't actually know. You don't know their names? Okay, so are you talking about, like, the American Wolves? You fucking right I'm talking about the American Wolves. (laughs) Davey Richards and the Irish guy. What's the Irish guy's name? He's in Impact right now. I just haven't seen him in so long. No, I don't know, but I think uh, Josh Alexander is coming here November 3rd. Oh, that's cool, but that kind of takes away from my fires, my furnace, so I'm going to look up American Wolves right oh, now. Oh, sorry. I didn't, mean to, I, I didn't mean to douse your flames no, on your good. furnace there, bro. Davey Richards and Eddie Edwards. So I knew Davey Richards, but yes. Eddie Edwards was an impact champion. Like, So this is my problem with it. How the fuck do you steal their tattoo? Like, How? And then go on national TV when these guys were already on TV. Like I said, Eddie Edwards is still on TV. He doesn't wear, he doesn't like basically wear the tattoo now because he's not with Davey Richards. Davey Richards isn't wrestling anymore. Like he kind of is kind of like, I don't know. There's a whole story to it if you read that. But, and we're not going to get into it. But the whole point is here is that they basically stole the exact tattoo. I was fucking outraged to the point where I was seeing red because these two fucking insignificant wrestlers that mean absolutely nothing to the WWE brand who basically have wasted their talent and collected a paycheck for the last three years tried to rip off the American Wolves. Their last tag team shtick that they had was playing two Lotharios trying to pick up every woman in the WWE and they get shot down. So how did you get from that? How did you get from that? To stealing the American Wolves tattoo. Somebody please fucking tell me. Like anybody. And then I know it's a little bit longer, but I, I was absolutely outraged when I saw it. Disgusted. Oh, uh, Triple H saw Triple H saw it somewhere on the indies, so <laughs> probably. <laughs> so he so he took that and so he he basically like I don't even I thought the wolves like actually like trademarked that, which is kind of hilarious. But I guess like they haven't been the wolves for so long that trademark probably would have ended, right? Anyways, Josh, no, it's kind of a, it's it's a respect thing almost at that point. Like, how do you just rip that tattoo oh, and, like, and just put it like, did you did, did Triple H and Vince actually <laughs> make those people get tattoos to match? Like, that's especially if you're a young and up and coming wrestler. Like, that's a pretty that's a pretty hard ask. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Like, I mean, I don't know if I misread it, but I'm pretty sure I like literally looked at them. and I said. Is that the American Wolves tattoo? Like, that's exactly what I said. Yeah, you told to me last night when we talked. Oh, it's ridiculous. But, Josh, that'll be the first and probably only fires my furnace, but I was livid. So, with that being said, Uh, does anybody want to add anything else? Josh, do you have anything to add to tonight's podcast? 
that you're really fired up about that. Fuck. I've never heard of the American Wolves before, but that's interesting. They were a good fucking uh, tag team too. They were really good. Were they, but they were, were they in WWE? Yeah, they were, no, they were close to getting in and then they ended up going to impact, but they were ROH tag team champions. Um, and basically they, they had a breakup and then they got back, they got back together in impact and then they had a breakup and impact and then they split ways. But technically they were, they were unbelievable. Unbelievable. So Chris, do you have anything to add before we leave? No, I'm good. Playing softball for autism tomorrow at 7.50 a.m. Great. Great cause. Great cause. So, basically, this is the end of the podcast, guys. We're a little bit over time tonight, but we love professional wrestling, and we're going to talk with you all the way through. So, with that being said, wherever you are in the world tonight, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. We all bid you adieu. Bang! When it all falls down, I hope you don't forget it. Nico City, son of anarchy, to hide the man at me. Mikey damage showed you amateurs to cost of vanity. So fuck humanity, flowy murder open handedly. Most of my clique, yo, they come from broken families. So